HR professionals, business owners, and operations at all levels are struggling to figure out what needs to change. Our system has been shocked, practices have been questioned, and conversations are finally happening. We all know there has been a huge shift in what people want. Inclusion and diversity are common phrases, but often misunderstood. Generations are coming together more than ever on what's important. Mental health has been brought to the forefront of everyone's mind. Let's humanize these conversations. Let's talk about what's important for employees to be successful in life and at their job, and how companies can create an environment to allow them to do both. Because successful people will make up a successful workforce. I'm Leanne Lovely. Let's get this conversation started. Lisa Carlin is a strategic execution specialist and co-founder of Future Builders Group, a network of organizational development specialists. Lisa started her career with McKinsey and Accenture. Since 1999, she has worked directly with prestigious global clients to Australian corporations, global and high-tech ventures. She works with leaders to turbocharge their transformation, projects, and change. Lisa has an impressive track record, having successfully delivered and mentored clients through over 50 transformation programs with an outstanding 96% success rate, far surpassing the average success rate reported in research. Her passion now lies in scaling up implementation success, which led her to establish a membership academy for professionals to implement business, culture, and digital transformation. Lisa also volunteers as the chair of an education not-for-profit organization. Lisa, thank you so much for joining me today. This is such a treat. Thank you, Leanne, for having me here. I'm really excited to chat to you today. So you are coming to me from a 15-hour difference in in time because you are halfway around the world, right? Why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and what you do? Sure, Leanne. Um, the Aussies like to uh, like to joke with the with the um, y- Yanks that uh, we're in the future, we're ahead, <laughs> because it's uh, it's Thursday morning here when it's a Wednesday afternoon for you, mm-hmm. and uh, so uh, <laughs> so uh, there you go. Uh, so I actually started out in Cape Town, South Africa, so at the bottom southernmost tip of Africa. That's where I grew up, and I grew up in the apartheid era. And that is actually uh, sort of framed, that guilt that's associated with being a, a white South African in apartheid has actually framed who I am and and, and what I do. Um, so Because I was part of a, um, in, in my teenage years and in through to university, part of a, a, a multicultural organisation. And um, we used to, um, you know, for, for me, it's all about um, respect of people and that's what, we didn't have in society respect of different people Mm -hmm. and uh, then that organization was banned by the apartheid government when they declared a state of emergency on anything that they considered uh, disruptive to the regime Mm -hmm. and uh, so that whole experience of you know I remember going to university and uh, and opening up the newsletter and one of my colleagues Paul who was one of my friends in the in the group um, was arrested and at the time, you were arrested without a trial. 
and without any, you could be detained indefinitely. And we never found out what happened to him. And to this day, I don't know what happened to him. And, um, you know, it, it, it is just like all of a sudden, these people who were there were just gone. And um, so, um, and Paul was a person of colour, which made it even worse, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so for me, I have a very strong um, value about respect for people and giving people a voice. And that's what is all about what I do. So um, I, 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 moved, I, w- I worked for Accenture for a while. I then worked, went to the US and worked for McKinsey. I came to Australia. I'm going to cut a very long story short. And um, I, 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 I do love it here um, and the lifestyle in Sydney and the weather. And, uh, and uh, I, I studied here again and then I, uh, I, I, in 1999, started my own business, and I've I've, I've put all the the learnings I've had together uh, into implementing change and executing strategies in in organisations through like large scale um, programs of improving sales, improving customer service, uh, improving uh you know uh, performance in business all, all of those sorts of things and in the last few years I've started doing more mentoring more and more over the years doing more and more mentoring of the executives and the leaders and the teams rather than doing the work um, on the ground myself um, and because what I'm trying to do is is create a massive improvement in the success rates of transformation and and, and I believe it can be done in this win-win kind of way. So, so the problem is that, you know, you look at McKinsey's research and they say 70% of, of transformations fail. And when I use the word transformation very loosely, so it could be uh, any kind of change in organisations. And, uh, and Harvard Business Review last year cited that 78% of these organisational initiatives fail. And so I know it's crazy. What's why? Crazy. So why do you think that is? So I've looked at the reasons and they, they give lots, you know, you, the, the different studies will show lots of reasons and they'll show reasons like, um, you know, um, uh, disagreement, you know, at the, at the executive level around what should be done. They'll, they'll show reasons like, so, so it boils down to people. They'll show reasons like um, it, it ran over budget hugely and, and, mm-hmm. and, and didn't get done in the time frame. But when you boil a lot of those reasons down, they're all to people, right? Because they're all because of people. Because if you don't implement something within budget, it's because, it's because of people. If you don't implement something within time, it's because people aren't reaching agreements on things. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I found to be the biggest issue. So I, I read the research and I, I've experienced it on the ground and I can see that it's because people are not on the same page about things. Mm-hmm. And so, so this is where my passion is, is around, and, and, and I've done um, over 50 transformations. I've got two clear failures. And uh, so that's 96% success rate. So I feel very proud of that and I want to spread this. And that's what my mission is now because it's a win-win-win, right? It's mm-hmm. a win for the organization in terms of my approach. 
It's because they're getting the performance lift from these initiatives. It's a win for the people who are delivering the change because their careers just, you know, multiply out amazingly after this and flourish. Mm -hmm. And it's a win for the rest of the people in the organization because it gives them a voice. And because that is the way that I, I um, is, is that is my approach is just is is around that is around um, giving people in the organisation a voice, which creates that momentum for these initiatives, and then you don't land up with being stuck. Right. That's amazing. And so let me. There's a lot for me to 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 touch on here. So let me start with one where where you started, um, where you grew up. Um, that, wow. I mean, there's, there's so much that I could, so many questions that I could ask about that. How long were you, how long were you there? And, and when did you move your next move was to the U S or yes. Yes. Okay. And at what age did you move to the U S? So I moved to the U S in my twenties. Okay. In 1994, which was an interesting year because that was the year Mandela came to power. So, wow. So you had your entire childhood growing up in an environment that was very, almost unknown, difficult, and and lost friends to unknown places. Well, we, I mean, being arrested for, and just scooped up and never to be seen again because am I, am I right? Yeah. Like I, I, I remember clearly where I was and I was sitting in the university cafeteria and I opened the newsletter and there Paul's face was and yeah. And I, and I never saw him again. So, and then I had this pressure from my family to, not be involved in any anything that could be considered anti-apartheid because family you know you got blacklisted and they were you know right people were just arrested so they I remember my mother was so concerned at one stage she went to go talk to my school principal to try and unravel me from and, and I wasn't doing anything violent or uh, all, all we were doing it was a multicultural it was a cultural focus right yeah. So that obviously has, like you said, shaped you know beliefs and and the desire to you know, help and change the way that you know people view and see society. I mean, making things more inclusive and accepting. And I, I I'm not trying to talk for you, but I can only imagine what it would be. I don't want to say what it would be like because I can't imagine what it would be like, but I can only imagine the influence in which that would have on not only a young person, but also somebody who is now, you know, in, in university growing up and trying to make their way and and trying to understand what is transpiring that has now shaped, you know, as you're in your twenties, now shaping your view of the world and now entering into the U S you know, going into a completely different culture and trying to make your way through through that, right? I mean, and, and the U.S. has a completely different... <laughs> oh, 
we're we're chaotic in a completely different way. I mean, I guess you could say, right? <laughs> yeah, and I and I had an amazing experience there, and working for McKinsey was just you know just an amazing experience, and just such a huge, a huge culture shock, you know, right. and going from you know, yeah, just you know. Some days you'd see there would be a riot or one of those armored vehicles would be enter the, you know, the white suburbs because mm-hmm. we grew up in different, you know, I couldn't even the friends that I met at one stage, I was doing junior achievement, which is American junior program, mm-hmm. entrepreneurial program for um, high school students. And um, again, multiracial. So there's very few things growing up that you could do that were multiracial. And I love diversity of people. I find that fascinating. Right. And so I used to go for anything where we, you know, I could just learn and meet different people. And we couldn't go to restaurants and to uh, movies or the beach or anything like that together because they were all segregated. And so they had kind of thought through, well, let's keep all these people of different colours separate. And right. it was really hard. And even visiting each other's houses were difficult because we all lived in different areas, very right. far from each other. You know? mm-hmm. So uh, it, it made it all quite different. And then going from that to the US where everything is just, yeah, it was just interesting. It is just, it's so different. Right. So different. And yeah, and 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 you know the, the the whole consulting lifestyle is so different. You know, you get on a corporate plane and you go out. Well, even you know a regular plane, and you go off for the day to do your work somewhere, and then mm-hmm. fly and fly. You know, it's a very it's it's quite a it's an exciting life, but in a different way. Correct. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and again, you can say chaos in a different way. You you go yeah. from one place where it's complete completely segregated, struggling to navigate how to. I mean. You can't you can't show any political affiliation. You can't or, you know, God forbid, talk about that in public. And then you come to the U.S. where you have people. And this is in what year? In the 90s. In the 90s. Okay, so it's not as crazy, you know, not as crazy then. Well, probably equally deemed as crazy then as it is now, because every year I suppose we, we say that, oh, this is the craziest year. You know, but it really wasn't quite as crazy then as it is now, probably just in a different way. But yeah, absolute culture shock. Um, Now you have, I mean, we are still, some cities are extremely segregated. Others are not at all. What city did you, did you move to again? Ah, well, here's the thing. It was Atlanta. So that's a whole interesting story in itself. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it it was still then, uh, fairly conservative I'd say okay. yeah. yeah yeah and in fact more conservative than the environment that I grew up in funnily enough because mm-hmm. I grew up in a very liberal family in a very liberal community right very, so that was again a shock very interesting very interesting okay yeah. so yeah. now all right so I've I've focused on that now you have now lived in the U.S. You've had some great experiences at some amazing companies and then you make your way to Australia. When did you do that and why? And and you talk about the weather. I wish that I knew what the weather there felt like. I've never been. But when did you make that move? And, um, you know, you opened your business, you said the year 1999? 
Yes. Okay. So you are now the co-founder and director of Future Builders Group, where you facilitate workshop, mentor CEOs, and much more. You opened that business in 1999. And did you open it after you had arrived to Australia? I did my MBA. I worked for a year and a half for a culture change organization. And then I started working on my own. So it was all very, it was quick, two years in the US, two, yeah, two years MBA full time. So so what, um, and, and then I worked on my own. And then 10 years ago, we founded the Future Builders brand. So there's a whole, so there's so many, as you, as you know, Leanne, so many uh, independent consultants out there. Mm-hmm. And it gets kind of lonely sometimes, especially when you've been in a big consultancy and you know what the resources are like and the, you know, and the learning that you can have from other people. So we created the Future Builders brand, which is an umbrella for um, a group of independent, it's a boutique organization for independent uh, organizational development specialists, basically. Awesome. So, and that's been lovely. And I've got amazing colleagues. So the whole idea is that we can do work that we enjoy doing and not worry about um, having to get people utilized onto jobs because, you know, there's no permanent employees. So the objectives are more aligned with the clients, you know, you, you're there to do the client work. Right. So that's, that's what we did. And then I've been working at this and now I just feel like I want to make more of an impact. It's not enough just to do one or two or three or four jobs a year with clients or mentor, you know, a small handful I want to make more of an impact. And that's why I founded Turbocharge Your Transformation awesome. membership. So tell me, and, and something you said, entrepreneurship is the loneliest place in the world. By by all means. It, you didn't say that, yes. but you had made a comment about entrepreneurship can be can be lonely. And, and I just want to say that for my audience. Entrepreneurship can be the loneliest place in the world because you are, you're on your own. So having a group, Something like you had just kind of said, it's okay to be an independent, but find your people, work with your people. And, and I love, I love that. I, you know, it's a group of, of, you said, independents that were, now tell me about this most recent turbocharge, say that again, turbocharge your transformation, turbocharge yes. your transformation. I want to hear. And I was so, so sorry, go ahead. I, I said, I want to hear about this. <laughs> so I was actually quite excited because last week when I typed in turbocharger transformation, we came up top in the Google search. That's so, awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. So uh, it's an online academy and there's, you know, since COVID, that's probably been the biggest change in terms of people just moving to do things digitally that they didn't do before. So things like uh, shopping and um, hybrid work and and, and online learning. And so, and the amazing thing is that the world's become a smaller place. So the entrepreneurs listening to this, you know, you can have, you know, um, build relationships with people across the ocean, like Leanne and I are talking today. Mm-hmm. It's so it's so easy and it's so interesting because you learn. It just gives you different ideas and perspective on things. And you know, we now have a worldwide marketplace for things, for many things. So that global, um, you know, global cohorts become more important. So what this learning academy is, is it's for professionals who are delivering projects and any kind of change. And so 
you know, small businesses will be doing that because they focused on growth, so they need to change. So the terminology is a bit different because entrepreneurs will think about, you know, how am I going to get growth in this business? How am I going to get my startup established? How am I going to, um, you know, build, build my audience and my my customers and get product market fit and then and then go from there? Larger organizations who've got that fit who um, are, are, are more, more mature at different stages. And I've got a, a model that sort of looks at the pathway for, for um, success or transformation success. And the top of the five, it, the, the top of the triangle is this um, unicorn little piece, which is, you know, the nirvana where we all want to get to, where everything's in perfect fit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and so people will be at, at different stages there, but they're all having to implement projects to deliver this growth. And that's what the turbocharger transformation is about, is about how do you turbocharge those projects, those initiatives mm-hmm. to be able to implement things faster and more successfully. And, and it's all, yeah, sorry, go ahead. You see, no, I'm going to keep talking over and, and not even give you a chance to right. get the word in because I'm so excited. <laughs> well, and this is what we, you had mentioned before when I, when I asked you, why, why do other program, programs not succeed? And you said people. And the people are the ones who are getting in way of the amount of time it takes, possibly the amount of money that it takes. So you've implemented a program that will allow it to work faster, more efficiently, so that we're not wasting time on decision making on, and that's what it sounds like. Am I correct? Exactly. So it's all through a cultural behavioral lens. So it's, it's like a mixture between a project management program and a change management program and a behavioral program because so how does yeah. the ba- so do you do some type of like assessments up front to look at the behavioral piece first to under- or, or is that something that's built in so I have an assessment called um, the Transformation Success Score, and that's actually free, and it's on my website. In fact, right at the bottom of our homepage, so www.futurebuildersgroup.com. Mm-hmm. And the Transformation Success Score measures the confidence, measures your confidence against a number of different dimensions of execution, right? So how do you do the design of what you what you know of what you're planning, which is basically like a strategic lens? How do you plan out things? Um, you know, how do you um, influence people, you know, like leaders or if you're as, if, if, if in, 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 a, in a large business, it would be how do you influence your leaders in a, in a, if you're in a smaller business, you might have a board of directors that you've got to influence whoever, you know, influence your people. So it's all of those sort of, so it measures that and then, and you get a percentage score and then you can do it along the, uh, uh, along the way on the program. So, you know, after sort of a few months or six months, and it's all about confidence. It's a self-assessment and it measures your confidence because that is the most, that is the biggest factor that is going to determine people's effectiveness, mm-hmm. everything else, you know, you can learn all of these things. And that's what this program teaches. And then it's how confident are you to, to do these things. Right. And I believe measurement is so important, because then it just gives you absolute clarity. So at the beginning, and then along the way, and it's a membership. So it's not one of these one hit wonders where you go off and do a learning program, and then you forget everything afterwards. It's a membership. So you come in, 
Um, so every month is a different topic. Our topic to this month is turbocharge with AI. And last month, it was culture-friendly implementation. So every month it's different. And then we I have a masterclass. And do people I'll stop there? But I, yeah. And do people get to <laughs> right? I'm going to start. I'm going to start putting my finger up. So do people get to um, like choose? Like, yes, I want to participate in this one, or is it just here are the topics that we're going to cover throughout? You know, the next twelve months, or it, you know, are there different? And again, every single one that you listed there is is wildly one interesting and important. Um, exp- yeah. AI right now is on everybody's mind uh, anywhere everywhere you go it doesn't matter you walk into a room and you hear somebody talking about oh ai you know gp chat or whatever it might be you know ai to, you know i have an ai tool that i use in my business um so that's wildly important um so how do you um i guess how do you are these live trainings are these how do they go through the program? Great question. So, yeah, every month is a different topic. And uh, you can attend live Zoom sessions. And they're timed for the U.S. audience as well as Australia. So it's, it's it, so if you're in Europe zone, um, it, people would then con- um, uh, they would participate asynchronously, right? Okay. Because if all the sessions are recorded. So, so you have a one-hour masterclass. Well, first you get your playbook. So every, every month there's a playbook, and it's it's an editable PowerPoint. So I give out my IP for people to use. Mm-hmm. There are all these templates in there that they can use straight away for planning their projects, for, you know, um, checklists for things, or, or like easy to use one pages. It's all in PowerPoint, one-page templates. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, and, then, and then so they get that two weeks before the masterclass. They do the masterclass. Then they've got two weeks to try out the templates and and have a think, right? And they can watch the recording again if they want and they can send me their questions or they can then come to a group coaching session that I have on Zoom the fortnight later and ask their questions. And I just do that in a group setting. That's awesome. So, And I'm thinking, you know, the the difference, you know, in in time. So you're at, you know... and I was going to make a bad joke. So are you up at two o'clock in the morning with the U.S. people? No, I'm I'm bad. I'm sorry. Bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> I just I love I love this this whole time difference thing. It's it's insane that you are literally in the future. Okay, bad joke. So so each so one month the, everybody has one month to digest all of this information and then move on to the next topic and then they have a month to go through and digest the next information and they're able to i'm assuming that you get emailed in you know email questions you get you know from other time zones and and that type of thing exactly so the the reason why i ask people to email me questions if they want to is because they may not be able to make the session right or because some of these things are quite sensitive that people are doing and they don't want people to know other people to know their their you know outsiders to know their strategies or the fact that they're having a problem influencing their boss to go forward on a particular project and right. they want to know techniques you know practical it's all very practical so they give me the question so one girl um one woman gave me a question about um because I've got a free newsletter as well. It's also called Turbocharge Your Transformation and it's on LinkedIn. 
and I get people to do the same. I get them to send me questions because, and then in the newsletter, there was this girl, woman and I called her Lucy, but it wasn't Lucy. And Lucy was having trouble with, you know, all these stakeholders in a very siloed culture. Mm-hmm. And so I could give the advice. I gave her advice to her in the newsletter and I can do that. I do that with the, with the group coaching sessions and nobody knows who's asked the question. Right. And so when I change the name of the person or, you know, I just don't give that too much. People don't know who's. And they, the amazing thing is you look at it that, Leanne, you listen and it could be you. Right. It's, well, it's, yeah. and, and if one person is asking a question, it is likely that somebody else in the world has that same question or is experiencing the same thing because it's typically something that is happening at somebody else's organization is happening somewhere else or has happened or is going to happen at another organization. And that's the whole concept of learning together, transforming together or, you know, shifting our, our cultural beliefs and you know kind of trying to learn how to do best practices together and and then providing feedback to the people who are training those of us who need to shift our thinking right the only way that the only way that anything changes is for people to one admit that they're wrong or to admit that they need help And then be willing to listen and hear the advice of other people. So true. You know, I can go and and you hear this all the time. I could go to a conference. I can go to a summit. I can go to every single day of my life. But if I'm not willing to hear what is being said, it will do me absolutely no good. And unfortunately, there are so many people who go there will walk in that door and gain absolutely nothing or gain it for a day and forget it after that and never look back at notes, never reference it back and never try to grow beyond that for a day. Um, and I think that we're, we're finally meeting people like you and coaches out there and that are making an attempt to get the masses to realize that the only way we grow is through active listening and and uh, intentional action and change. Absolutely, and then try and trying it out, and that's what right. they do. They try it out. They actually, yeah, they 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 do that. They they make that change and try these things. Right, and that's just the magic of it. Because imagine if you've got so the, one of the sessions is is a session on planning, but for people who've done project management training, it's still from a very different approach mm-hmm. because this is methodology agnostic. So it's like you know, it's, 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 it's the psychology of how you go about planning and what you do with your plan. And it's a one page template. So yeah, it's, you know, it's so exciting because people can try it out straight away. And you asked a really, do you want to ask another question before I move on? No, no, go ahead. Because you asked, you asked me a really interesting question about what happens, which I didn't answer fully, which is what happens, um, you know, if they, if they're not as interested in that month's topic or or what Mm -hmm. happens with the months before. So 
you're a, a fractional sales leader and that's what you know I know you do so mm-hmm. so you would probably um you'd look at me well my my um I, I love mentors I believe everyone should have a mentor in what they do I mean all the Olympic athletes do people need mentors in what they're doing it's like you say entrepreneurship is lonely and 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 and, and business is lonely and, and being in a big corporate is even lonelier mm-hmm. so um my so I have a sales mentor and my sales mentor said to me, uh, Lisa, d- when somebody joins, so if they join in, in in August, they should only get the August session and then they get the sessions after that. You don't want to give away all your IP of all the things that came before mm-hmm. because it's only $99 US a month, this membership, right? Mm-hmm. So for $99, you're getting all of the sessions before. And I thought about it and I thought, well, my purpose is not with this is not money first. My purpose with this is to make a difference in the world to the implementation success rates. I mean, they are, you know, 70 plus percent failure is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and, and with startups and smaller business, it's like 90% plus. Mm-hmm. So it's unacceptable. And that is my mission. So I have decided against all advice to keep the rest of the IP on the site and available. So if you come in on one month where we're doing AI and for some reason you are really, you know, really don't want to do AI and this is, you know, it's it's easy for the most non-techie people. But anyway, then you can, and, and your score in planning is really low. You can then go to the planning session and start there. There's no order. Each set, Each topic is independent of the others. And as a sales professional, you are giving away the house. Um, by doing that, <laughs> and I'm sure that your sales coach it told you that, that, you know, when they enter in, you, you charge them for going forward, not for everything they missed. Um, but again, it, it's your, it, what I will say to every person I have ever worked with, ultimately, it's your baby. It's your business. You have to do at the end of the day what you need to do to sleep at night. But if I put my coaching hat on, I can only help you be as successful as you will allow me to help you be. If that makes sense. Absolutely. So, you know, if, if somebody comes and says, I want to make a million dollars, well, okay, then I'm going to be a hard line this is how you're going to do it. You can't give away, give away your product. I would say absolutely don't do that. They're going to have to stay until that product comes up through the, you know, to the next session. But it's your baby. It's your passion. It's your product. And what whatever goals you have are a hundred percent yours and yours alone, and that's that's the difference between being an employee and being an entrepreneur. You get to call the shots, and the reason mm. that most entrepreneurs start their business is not because they're like, "I want to be a millionaire." There are plenty of them out there that want that start it because they want to be a millionaire, but most of them have a passion. And have a desire to not work for somebody else so that they have the ability to call their shots and make decisions that somebody else keeps shoving down their throat. That there's Absolutely. my there's my, <laughs> my Absolutely. And I think and I, that's why I 
you know, the clients that I mentor, I, I um, sometimes run sessions for them and their team. In, you know, instead of a mentoring session, I'll say, come bring your team in and we'll do purpose right? Mm-hmm. We'll cover, we'll have an hour and a half and we'll, we'll develop a purpose statement because some of them don't have it really clear. And I think that should guide, you know, whether you're a, a, a you know, a 20 person business or a 10 person business or a thousand person business or a 120,000 person business. And I've worked for all, you know, that range. If you've got a purpose statement that can guide what you're doing then it's all authentic because yeah right. and that's why businesses yeah you know, some yeah businesses like canva that are so mission-based it's amazing it's like purpose but purpose-based right that's why yeah the, and and i i would say that the majority of businesses that started with a a true purpose and passion are the businesses that have grown and thrived the ones that started with here i have this product that I'm not passionate about it, but I just want to go and, and sell it are the ones that really struggled because they don't, they don't understand how to explain the ROI to the people. When you have a passion, a purpose, it's so much easier to be authentic and explain here is how this is going to help you. This is why it's going to be able to make an impact on you your business, your life, and you clearly, Absolutely. you clearly have, you, you have that, which means that when you talk about it, I can see you light up. I can see the smile. And that in itself is huge because people, it's- people know authenticity from mm-hmm. a mile away. It's amazing how much energy it's given me, Leanne. Like I, I feel, you know, more energized and I work longer hours at the moment than I have in my entire life and I'm loving it. And and if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Because I don't, I don't feel like I'm working. Correct. Yeah. yeah Correct. I'm having fun. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and, uh, and that's, that is why... That is why people like you and me do what we do and hundreds of thousands of other people out there because are you really working or are you just, you know, fulfilling fulfilling your bucket, you know, filling up your cup? And, yeah. and you know, I talked, a previous guest of mine talked about, you know, filling up that cup. If you're doing something every day that you have to constantly be battling to keep that cup full, you're probably not doing something that you should be doing. You have yeah. to. And, and if what you're doing is already fulfilling that and you're finding balance and you're finding that fulfillment in it, then you're in the right place. And you, um, you, you, I mean, you do, you have a, an amazing, um, it, it sounds like an amazing business product, people around you. Um, you know, you're the co-founder. So you you have, you know, a partner that I'm assuming is just as passionate. So I'm a co-founder of Future Builders, which is our community. Right. And then within it, I am the founder of this. Okay. So I've got, as a result, I've actually got an amazing group of colleagues around me who are just, you know, are there to 
help and support and mentor me. So I don't feel like I'm on my own at all. That's great. That's great. And I can't explain to you the, um, the excitement that I get when these initiatives, we build the momentum in organizations. It is just, and, and now I can do it on scale because I can teach other people those skills. And I can tell you a, sto- a story about that if you want. Yeah. I don't know which, um, what, what you want to cover next. No, but, please. Uh, I, okay. Well, um, this is an example of a business that was actually um, uh, not doing well at all. And it was in a division of a big organization. And the executive manager was not happy about how the the performance was going. And so he asked me to go in and, you know, bring a team and, and, and help them. And that meant the manager of the unit and the team. And when I got there, I saw reports that three other consultancies had done and they all said roughly the same thing of what this team should do, but none of the things were implemented. And the teams were, the the team, the manager and the manager's second in line were very defensive and did not, were not happy with me being there. They felt like they were over-consulted. They'd had three consulting teams. You know, they, they just did not want a fourth. And we had very unfriendly, quite hostile um, people. And what we did was we, we worked with them to come up with an agenda, looking at what the consultants had recommended before, which were all interestingly very similar, and what they thought about it and what they thought the priorities were. And we, we formed a joint team and we used the design thinking principle of co-design, of working with them together in a team, blended external folks and internal folks. And the engagement and appreciation was amazing. That, you know, we, we were lifting their skills in how to do a diagnosis of an underperformance. And they were all, and some of them were at very clerical levels as well. So it was just for them, they've never been exposed to this before. Great. Now, I tell you, Leanne, we, things were going really well. So what I did, we had a progress review with the, with the manager's manager, which is the executive who got me in. Mm-hmm. And it was at head office. So I took the entire team to that meeting right through to the clerical people, we all got on the train together. And it was like, it's like, it's like the train system in Sydney is like the subway in New York, right? So we mm-hmm. all got on and we took the train up to head office where people hardly ever went into the boardroom. And I, you know, given everybody a cameo role to say, you know, contribute in some way. So it was slick and it was tight. It wasn't like, a, you know, a, a discussion that went on forever. So they were so nervous on the train because they'd never done this before and, they, you know, they hardly ever had any contact with the managers, the executive, mm-hmm. the big executive. The executive that I asked if these folks, when I asked him if these folks could come, was a little bit um, 
mystified that I would bring so many people to a meeting. Right. But it was great. He said, no problem. Sure. Yeah. It was amazing. I can't explain to you the the buzz, you know, that interaction and, and the, the ownership that people had in what they were doing. They were empowered. And it just went on from there. They were empowered. And it was an amazing success. Right. You know, the, the, the project was an amazing success. And these people, you know, went on to have the confidence and skills to do other things. Right. And our relationships with these people still stay on today. And that's the amazing thing. Right. I mean, who would have thought? Well, when you when you give people who think they have no voice a voice for the first time, it is um, it is remarkable what they will finally. I mean, they will finally sing. They will finally come out of their shell, and 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 it's it's amazing what you can do when you when you empower somebody to do something that they already have in them. Um, I've watched it with with other people. I've I've had it given to me before. I mean, early on in my career when I was very green, and you know, having somebody who you know, of authority say, "Well, yeah, I want to hear you. I want to hear what you think," and you just go, "What?" Well, why? I mean, I'm I'm just the. But when you enable them, it's it's amazing how they will come out of their shell and then want to do better, because now <laughs> they have been seen. That's all they want. They want to be seen and heard, and that you're lighting a fire under them of passion for a cause that they feel they are part of. Up until that point, it was just a place they showed up to. Exactly. It's, it's wildly exactly. amazing. And they, yeah, they felt sometimes people feel quite powerless in, in organizations. Yeah. It's, yeah, it, 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 happens, it happens way mm. more frequently than, and then businesses are willing to acknowledge that, that employees just feel like they don't have a voice. And when they do step forward and say, well, hey, I've got a problem. And then it never goes anywhere and they never hear back. It reinforces that they don't have a voice. And that happens not on purpose, but because managers are often, especially middle managers who are, are given the complaints, go to their managers and then their managers never get back to them. And then what are they supposed to do? And the upper management has no idea how, how much that is influencing that first tier. The middle management can see it. And they're struggling in the middle going, well, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed? And they'll go back to their employee. Oh, sorry, I never heard back. And then that, that first tier yeah. is going, well, okay, so I'm not important. So yeah, it just it, and it's a cycle that continues. And Lisa, I would love to continue this conversation. We are coming to time already. So I have the question of the season. Um, I've been asking everybody. I hope you had a glance at this. Um, what do you think will go down in the history books from what the world has experienced over the last three years? So Leanne, I think it's all about digital and online. I, the, the, you know, the changes that um, we've seen from the pandemic about people realizing they can work from home and be even more productive in some cases, but certainly as productive. 
and moving to hybrid work and doing things more in a more digital way, including, you know, online learning and, and upskilling themselves and shopping online and, you know, doing more, um, more things online than ever before. It's just, it's apparently the, 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 the tech experts say that we have through, through just one year of COVID, we've done 10 years, we've had 10 years of progress. And you know why I think that is interesting? It's interesting because the technology was always there, right? Mm-hmm. And it was the behavior of people and the adoption of people that wasn't, you know, that 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 has changed. That's what's made the difference. Yep. It's it's cultural. It's a cultural, massive global cultural shift. Absolutely. I totally agree. If somebody wanted to reach out, how would they go about getting in contact with you? I would love to hear from folks. Uh, you can get hold of me uh, directly through LinkedIn and also through our futurebuildersgroup.com website. So thank you for asking, Leanne. Perfect. And that will be on the show notes. Um, So you can check the show notes if you are looking to reach out to Lisa. I really appreciate you joining me today. This has been such an amazing conversation. I wish that we had more time to dive into other, you know, conversation or other topics. But again, Thank you so much for joining me um, and you have a wonderful rest of your Thursday. Thank you, Leanne. Thank you again for listening to Let's Talk HR. I appreciate your time and support. Without you, the audience, this would not be possible. So don't forget that if you enjoyed this episode to follow us, like us, or share us. Have a wonderful day.